I hope you enjoyed that time of worship. We are trusting our God and believing him to continue to be our strength. And I just wanted to extend a few invites to you. Maybe you've heard them. Maybe you haven't because you missed out. But let me remind you. Um, So we are starting this fall rooted groups. I'm excited for that. And registration starts September 1st. So make sure you tune in and just keep your eyes open for the newsletter so you can sign up for that. Also, school supply drive. Thank you so much. I had so much fun shopping and we bought different stuff to donate. So I'm so grateful that um, we can do that. So thank you if you did that. And if you haven't, guess what? I got some good news for you. We've extended it one more week. So next Tuesday and Thursday, September 1st and 3rd, you can still come to the Evergreen Lobby and drop off your school supplies. So we're just giving you an opportunity to continue to be generous. Talking about generosity, have you heard about Mexico Homes of Hope? If you haven't, we are partnering with YWAM. And because of the pandemic, did you know that 81 homes have not been able to be built or have been postponed? And so we are partnering with them We are providing the materials. They are building the houses so we can participate in that. Um, Our goal is $24,000. I know we can do it, Evergreen, because we are generous. And guess what? Someone's already said that they will match every dollar up to $12,000. Isn't God good? There you go. God's already making a way. Let's do this. And then also... Um, Just want to encourage you again. Thank you so much for your generosity. We couldn't do what we do without you and without you giving. So there's different ways to give. You can text 77977 and the information will be up here on the screen somewhere. So make sure you do that. If you want to give through text, you can give online. Go to our website or you can also mail it or drop it off in the mailbox. There's so many ways. We're making it easy for you to be generous. So thank you, Evergreen. We love you, and now we get to hear the Word of God. Let's do this. Hey, family and friends. My name is Carlos. We are in our fourth message in our identity series we're calling Real, Who Do You Think You Are? Francis Schaeffer, a famous American thinker, was known for saying, through the Bible, humans can know the true truth about God and themselves. What true truths have we discovered about ourselves so far in this series? Let's review. I am significant. I am Christ's ambassador. I am accepted. This week, I get to add to our identity series with the true truth statement of I am empowered. Are you ready? Would you read God's word with me? We're going to be looking at three sections in the book of Acts. First with Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witness both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Acts 2.4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Acts 2, 37-39 Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, 
Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Let's pray. Father, we are just asking that you would bless our time together. It is your Holy Spirit that empowers us, God. And so we pray for your help in understanding and following you. Amen. You know, what, I want to start off by just asking you a question. What do you think of when you hear the word power? Now, something that's true, true about me is I'm a 90s kid. All my 90s kids, make some noise. This means that I was a kid when the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers first debuted. I just remember, I was so excited. I remember the days leading up to that first episode. It was scheduled on Saturday morning. How many of you remember Saturday morning cartoons? How many of you remember having to wait for a set time to watch a show? You know, I never anticipated a show more than in my young life as the Power Rangers. I couldn't wait to watch it. When I, when I saw the trailer, it blew my mind. And I've been asking myself lately, what was the appeal? I think, I think it, was, it was the realism, the live action before live action, the effects. I mean, for a kid, this, this totally rocked my world. It looked so real. The costumes were so cool. You see, Power Rangers, they weren't a cartoon. No, no, no. Get that kiddie stuff out of here. These were real young people, probably in high school, and they had real power, and they were fighting against a tangible evil. I mean... Look at her. Who says that kind of stuff? And how cool was it when the Power Rangers would shout, It's Morphin Time! Do you remember? Here's a clip. All right, then. It's Morphin Time! You know, seeing that now as an adult in 2020, <laughs> I got to be honest, it's a bit cringy, but I do appreciate the diversity in the casting and watching that clip reminded me of my huge crush on the Pink Ranger. Yes, I'm guilty. But I would, have to, I would have to admit, what made the Power Rangers so appealing was, of course, it was their power. Power is appealing, isn't it? I mean, let's consider Genesis 3. Could an appeal to power be the motive for Eve to eat the fruit and give it to her husband in the garden? I mean, Satan tempted Eve with the opportunity to be like God. This sounds like an appeal to power. One that led, of course, to original sin and changed the human experience for us all. The desire to be powerful, it does appeal to every age group, doesn't it? I mean, if we think about it, uh, when we were in, high, when we were in, in grade school, we were, we were totally appealed to the power of superheroes. 
And then we moved on to high school and maybe professional athletes caught our eye. And as adults, uh, we're attracted to entrepreneurs and influencers and other cultural icons. I mean, think about who you've listened to this week. What podcast? What network? What book did you read? Would you agree that some of these represent power structures in your life? Well, the Bible speaks a lot about power and empowerment. Here's a true truth that the Bible reveals. There has been none more powerful than Jesus. Consider what we read in the four Gospels, the biographies of Jesus. We find that Jesus demonstrated incredible acts of power. I mean, amazing displays of ability and authority. I mean, he turned water into wine. He calmed a storm one day, and then he walked on water the other. I mean, Jesus healed conditions such as leprosy and blindness that at the time there were just no cures. Jesus even brought a dead man to life. Hashtag Lazarus. We also... In his power, are, are, uh, he challenged the religious quo. I mean, he called out hypocrisy and false teaching. He broke racial and gender barriers like, like the story of the woman at the well that Ilsian taught about last week. I mean, Jesus gave his time and attention to those in society and flipped to the least of those in society and flipped everything upside down when he taught the last will be first. And the greatest among you shall be your servant. His power truly transcended physical and sociological strongholds. And he has to, and his greatest display of power has to be when he surrendered his life to his enemies to be crucified, only to resurrect three days later. And he even called it. That's what young people today would totally call the ultimate flex. In these feats of power, Jesus stands alone. No other human being has claimed to do the things that Jesus has did, that did and had the legitimacy to, to actually back up those claims. Society as we know it has forever been changed by the powerful person we have in Jesus. But what was the source of his power? How did Jesus do it? The Bible reveals that power is found in a person, and that person is the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity. And Jesus showed that he was empowered by that Holy Spirit. I think it's worth exploring. We see this truth prophesied about Jesus in the Old Testament. When we read in Isaiah 11, 2, and 3, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord and he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. Also in Isaiah 42 verse 1, it says, Behold my servant who I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to all the nations. So before, even, before Jesus even put on human flesh, it was written that he was going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We see uh, the Holy Spirit present in Jesus' story at baptism. 
as, we, as witnessed by the, uh, John the baptizer, he describes like a dove, the Holy Spirit descended and remained on Jesus. The Holy Spirit is also the one who led Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. So we read that in Luke 4.1, that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. According to Luke 4.14, Jesus returns from his duel with the devil in the desert to begin his public ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Luke 4.18, we read that Jesus himself makes claims of the Spirit being on him when he enters the temple and reads in Isaiah 61.1, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners. So we find that power is in a person, and that person is the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus was empowered by. This ability and authority of the Spirit, this ability and authority the Spirit gave Jesus allowed him to accomplish all that we have recorded in the Gospels, who one of the writers, by the way, said that if we recorded everything he did, there would not be any room for the books that would be written. But here's the awesome news, Evergreen. The Holy Spirit isn't limited to just empowering Jesus. Power is promised to us. I'm going to repeat that again. Power is promised to us because the person of the Holy Spirit is made available to us as well. You heard correctly. We too have an opportunity to be empowered. So I want you to say it with me. I am empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is why Luke 24, 29, Jesus tells his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit. He says, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Did you catch that? Power was promised by Jesus to his disciples. We also see this promise in place in the Old Testament. Like in Ezekiel 36, 27, where we read, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. This promise of power, we see it was fulfilled in Acts 2, verse 4. It says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is Pentecost. The day that the promise of power was fulfilled. The church has never been the same since. Christ followers have never been the same. And we see the immediate impact in the New Testament. We see the fruit of empowerment of Christ followers in the the courage of Peter in Acts 2. In the wisdom of Stephen in Acts 7. And of course, the life of Paul, who he himself credits the power not being of his own, but of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2 and 4, he penned, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive word of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So part of the good news of Christ is that we are empowered, but what do we do with this power? I want to suggest to you that purpose precedes power. 
You know, Jesus had a clear purpose for himself. In John 6, 38, he says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus was fully empowered, and yet he did not seek his own purpose or plan. As a matter of fact, we know in the garden he famously prayed, Not my will, but yours be done. We know according to Philippians 2.8 that Jesus was obedient to the point of death. This is because Jesus allowed purpose to precede power. So we have to ask ourselves, what's our purpose with this power promised to us? Well, I want to suggest that we are empowered to live like Jesus. You know, Andrew Murray in his book, Experiencing the Holy Spirit, wrote, the fullness, of the, pow- the fullness of the Spirit is simply the full preparation for living and working as a child of God. We are empowered to live like Jesus, empowered to live as His children. You know, uh, just a week ago, I went, I went disc golfing for the first time with the Lorenzo men. Shout out to An- Asher and Marshall. And after seeing them both throw, really their first throw, I knew immediately that my throws would not look like theirs. (laughs) As a matter of fact, uh, my goal uh, that day became twofold. Number one, don't hit anyone with a disc. Number two, don't lose the disc that these guys are letting you play with. Now, I only succeeded at one of those goals. (laughs) I knew I was not about to outperform the Lorenzos, but... It didn't keep me from playing. I was going to try. You know, Jesus ends his Sermon on the Mount with the words, Be perfect, just like your Father is perfect. Now, what that tells me is I will never live exactly like Jesus. But we're still called to try. You see, there's progress, not perfection. And furthermore, God through his Spirit is saying, you're going you're gonna to need to absolutely depend on me with every effort. So where do we start? Well, we start by receiving the free gift. Receive the free gift of power by receiving the person. Peter tells the crowd who witnessed Pentecost in Acts 2, 38-39, Repent. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. I see a call to repentance. And this includes confessing our sin to God, acknowledging our need for forgiveness, to do a 180. Turn towards God and the life He is inviting you to. We're encouraged to be baptized. If you have not already expressed your faith through water baptism, do it. Take this public step towards Team Jesus. Believe me, it would be the best decision you've ever made. If there's any way we can help you with that act of faith, let us know. Now, I would also encourage you to follow your baptism commitment by immersing yourself in the teachings of Jesus. One of the better ways to do that is by joining a small group that we're going to be hosting here 
at Evergreen in the fall. Take the rooted course here at E with me. You know, in doing these things, these things, God's promise is that we're going to receive the gift, the gift that empowers the Holy Spirit. Once empowered with the person of the Holy Spirit, we are now empowered to love. You know, 1 Corinthians teaches us that most, the most important fruit in our lives is the fruit of love. I mean, it takes precedent over any other acts of power. A wise man once wrote, love is the supreme element in our spiritual life. The ability to love our neighbor is provided to us through the Holy Spirit. We're currently living through a time where, where we're being asked to choose between our black and blue neighbor. Uh, at times it seems they're asking us to ignore the cries of one side or to defund the other and label them all as bad. And quite frankly, I'd rather choose neither. I'd rather choose the radical middle. I'd rather choose letter C. You know, love compels us to make these decisions. Love empowers us to, to be able to pray for, for, for all the madness that's happening, to pray for those Antifa crowds and those Proud Boy crowds and, and genuinely ask, the Holy Spirit to give us compassion and conviction towards those opposing groups. Empowered in love, uh, we're able to seek the good for our red and blue politicians and neighbors. And we bless, we don't curse, we, we choose not to participate in the ugliness of cancel culture and these Twitter wars. You know, love empowers us to not have to choose a side and therefore hate the other. Love empowers us to move from either or to both and. You know, I think, that, I think about how Christ died for both of the men that hung on the cross besides him. Love empowers us to do the same. So family, I just want to encourage you as we continue in this wild election season, May you be empowered to concern yourself with being less focused on voting correctly and more focused on loving correctly. Less political correctness and more biblical correctness. You know, I want to offer you John Wesley's election advice, which he gave uh, in the 1700s. He said this, I met those of our society who had casted votes in the ensuing election and advised them three things. Number one, to vote without fee or reward for the person they judged most worthy. Two, to speak no evil of the person they voted against. And three, to take care their spirits were not sharpened against those that voted on the other side. Don't sacrifice your witness of eternity because of your temporary allegiance to a worldly political party. We are empowered even when, and this is going to be my final point, we are empowered when we feel powerless. Have you ever felt powerless? I bet feelings of powerless have come up much during this time of pandemics. 
you know, for my family, for Ilsen and I, as many of you know, we are expecting our first child and it's gonna be a girl. We're so excited for our baby coming into our life in December. And as some of you know, we got early on in the pregnancy the, the news of a possible Down syndrome baby. And I have to be honest, uh, in those first few days, if not weeks, I felt powerless. I mean, this situation was so out of my hands. And of course, this brought worry and stress and concern. And, and, uh, and because I just, I knew I couldn't do anything to change the genetic formation of our child. I was at the mercy of the doctors and the tests and the percentages and the what-ifs. And that was hard. But now, in week 24 of the pregnancy, I find power in those feelings of powerlessness. Here's what I mean. Because I can't change our little girl's genetic formation, I surrendered the desire or the need to. I feel that I found power in surrendering these things that are in God's powerful hands. I believe there's power in this type of powerlessness. There is power in surrender. I think to myself today, even if I had the power to take control, should I? My future daughter and family's life is far, far, far better off in the powerful hands of God than in mine limited hands. I believe this is one of the lessons Jesus taught us when he prayed in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. Friends, God has a better will. He has a better plan. And I just want to remind you in, in, in those areas of your life where you might be feeling powerless, that that, that might be where you find the greatest presence of power if you allow the Holy Spirit into that space. You know, Paul famously wrote in, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, and he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with my weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Will you repeat after me? There is power in my powerlessness. Parents, you might still not know what school is going to look like for your child, and you might feel powerless in those details. But here's what you do know. You are empowered to love your kids better than ever. You are going to wake up every day in the power of the Holy Spirit and do what's best for them. And like my disc disc golf skills, it's not going to be perfect, but you're still going to try. Educators, no matter what teaching format, you uh, you know that you are empowered to love your students and, and be filled with a supernatural patience and creativity that only can come from heaven. And students, the Holy Spirit can make you available to be disciplined and patient and endure 
not so not so that you can just get through the year, but that you can you can do it in a way that's going to bear witness to your friends and your teachers. You know, I just want to end with these wonderful words we have in Ephesians 3, 20 through 21, and I'm going to ask you to read them with me. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.